Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. In this bite size from episode number 28, entrepreneur Naomi Simpson shares her passion for small business and the main motivator behind starting Red Balloon. Naomi gives some examples of the pressure small business owners are under every single day. And I can tell you as a small business owner for now more than 25 years, I really resonated with this message. Naomi also talks about how she hopes to alleviate some of this pressure through using Red Balloon as an experience marketplace. Naomi also talks about the book she thought about writing after seeing over 100 pictures as part of the TV show Shark Tank and the impact she hopes it will have on people wanting to begin a new startup. Now, if you are in business, whether it's small, medium or large, you totally get this. It's the energy you need, it's the passion you need. It's always going back to that well and filling it up so you turn up to every sales meeting, no matter how much you've been beaten up, no matter how much you've been told no, you rock up with a smile on your face, with your shoulders high, with the energy to look people and go, yeah, I'm really excited about this. Naomi and I had a really interesting conversation during the longer form podcast on this that you just have to pick yourself up time and time again. Even if you're not in small business, there's often times in enterprise and large business where you also need that resilience, that grit or that mongrel to pick yourself up. I know you're really going to enjoy this bite-sized episode. Your passion shows when you talk about small business, and I know you do some on camera, but you do a lot off camera that people don't know about. So being in the customer support is an example of that. When you're talking to one of your businesses or one of your suppliers who's really struggling, what advice are you giving them at the moment around staying healthy, about being resilient? Um, look, there's several things. There's, first of all, it's the person themselves and their mental resilience. And we all need somebody to love us. We all need somebody who believes in us. Um, we all need someone to talk to. And particularly when everyone's at them, their suppliers are at them, their customers are at them, their employees are at them, and their families are at them. Did you make any money today, darling? Can we pay the mortgage? Is it okay to pay this bill? And the sheer pressure on small businesses. And the one thing I've been talking about is you don't just say, let's go, and everybody starts. People need to be trained, certified. You don't just get a you know sous chef from anywhere, getting a hot air balloon pilot, there's a bit of training involved, you know, so they're all registered with the Civil Aviation Corporation, they have to have their regular hours up. So there is compliance that small business has to do, which keeps our system going, keeps us safe. So small business owners, please don't feel alone. Do find somebody who is a peer, um, whether we can connect you, you know, naomisimpson.com, my channels or whatever, but you are not alone. And one of the things we've done for our own small business community, the 2,000 small businesses who run our fabulous experiences, is every two weeks there's a webinar, there's newsletters, here's the help. So making sure that we keep people close. Can I back this truck up just a little bit? You mentioned casually the 2,000 small business suppliers. That's a big impact, isn't it? When you look at the the influence you have, uh, the responsibility you have. Does that ever does it ever keep you up at night? Does it ever wear down on you? No, because I just know that my intention is, there's that word again, is that I do what I can and I can't do everything and it's absolutely okay. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. 
that is my motto, but it doesn't mean I make a rod for my own back. So the thing is that what people probably don't realise, particularly let's talk about Red Balloon because that's the business that I founded all those years ago, that is as a marketplace, our supplier community as is, is as important as our consumers. So um, what's important is that we haven't got any lollies on the shelf, we can't sell them. But for those small businesses, what we did was we gave them a brand, the Red Balloon brand, we gave them a quality assurance process and we just send them customers and we pay them beforehand. So the hardest thing right now is have I got a pipeline and will customers come? So being a part, and I think of this for lots of small businesses, being part of a marketplace, a cohort or a community. The other thing is social media, anybody's watched Social Dilemma, okay, that's the addictive side of the consumer or user, as they say. But what about the addictive nation of advertising? So for a small business today, I spent five bucks and I got a customer. Great. Tomorrow I spend 10 bucks. Oh, but I didn't get a customer. It's so hard to understand. And even the people at the social media companies, Google and Facebook, they know it's all run by algorithms and it's difficult. So our job is just to find customers and send them to these small businesses. And then so doing, they can be the world expert at whatever they're doing. And it doesn't cost anybody anybody anything to list with us, but they have to be a part of our quality program. And what we do know is that for 100 bucks spent with us, they will go and they will buy another ticket or they'll upgrade or they'll buy photographs or something. And that 100 bucks is likely to turn into 300 for that supplier. But then also they're likely to spend at least another 700 in community. You think about the Hunter Valley, they'll go and stay a night, they'll do a hot air balloon ride, they'll go to some wineries. And before you know it, that's $1,000. So for $100 spent with Red Balloon, it ends up as $1,000 of economic impact. And last year we delivered 600,000 customers to small businesses around Australia, which was $85 million, which represented $85 $850 million worth of economic impact. And we know because of the work that we do that we've created 50,000 jobs. And that's our job is to create jobs, is to create employment and just deliver customers. I flipped the old marketing model. I used to be a marketing consultant when I left corporate life and I just, I know what people will pay for. They will pay for customers. Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes, including physical and psychological well-being, becoming burnout-proof, connection and belonging, that's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on neuroscience and behavior change, mental skills, and leadership and culture. Or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including the morning wake-up, energy breaks, team-building activities, and digital resources to embed learning, to find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com keynotes. When you say that, it's inspiring. It's also clear. It's articulate. Was that the vision when you started the business? Oh, no, you know I just wanted to have a lifestyle and I got that wrong. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> it was an obvious question, right? But, you know, you must have had 
some clarity because I get the humility and you know, the success wasn't all planned, but you must have had some sort of vision, some structure. I do believe in the experience economy. I do believe that people want to spend time with each other and it's far more important than stuff. And I think out of all of this, that's the thing uh, that we've said is actually I want to tick some things off my bucket list. So, yes, I do believe in the experience economy and I think that experiences as gifts um, makes so much sense because then you get to spend time with the person who gave it to you or for a company, they get to help the economy grow through small business. And it's hard for the jet boat guy to walk into one of those big buildings in the city and say, would you like to buy a jet boat? But pretty easy for us to do that. And then he might get the customer. But if somebody doesn't want jet boating, they can go and do something else. I love jet boating. It is a lot of fun. It's great. They always stick me in the back and I get wet hair. It's fantastic. Don't you find that? I don't have the wet hair problem. So (laughs) let's move on to the next question. You said, (laughs) I like what you did there. (laughs) Um, You've been the voice, but you've also used your words and you used your words with your best-selling book, Ready to Soar, which as a small business owner or startup, it's, it's really one of the manuals you have to buy if you're going to go and have a startup. And you outline in that some great lessons to build your business, to look after yourself. But I know you have some thoughts on startups at the moment and it's not easy as some people might lead us to believe. Yeah, I wrote that book after the first season of Shark Tank and the 100 pitches that we saw because I guess having that much access to people with ideas, what I also saw is some people just shouldn't be in business. You can have great ideas but not everybody is meant for this life and not everybody has this risk appetite. And I'm very concerned that we see in the newspaper, oh, this startup just raised this amount of money or they've just scaled or they've just done this exit. It's such a small, small proportion of those people who think they're going to give it a crack. And so I wanted to people to go into this startup notion, first of all, understanding who they were and their risk appetite and understanding whether they're meant to be an entrepreneur or whether they need more stability. And therefore, they might have a great idea, but it doesn't mean they have to run it as a business. Maybe it belongs somewhere else. And so I go kind of through these exercises and things because to take people on a journey of whether it's right or wrong. And I wondered if I was being a little bit of a naysayer, but I think, you know, going into something with your eyes wide open and setting some timeframes around it might actually give your family or the people around you some support and comfort on this journey. I don't think you're a no-sayer at all. I think it's wise. It's bold because not everyone says that. But I think a lot of people, I'm interested in your thoughts, I think a lot of people go into small business after a crisis. Like when people leave the big secure corporate world, a crisis could be made redundant. Crisis could be they can see the markets drying up. It could be a relationship crisis, could be a midlife crisis. And then a lot of people jump into small business. You know, it's the doctor who opens the coffee cart because he loves coffee or, you know, the banker that goes by and buys a vineyard, you know, just keep buying local coffee, (laughs) keep buying local wines, you know, tick the passion box. So I find that when you go through that, it's a really good way. Okay, that word, intention. Do you have the right intention? Are you skilled? It's bloody tough running a small business. Hugely rewarding, but bloody tough. And then let's not dance around it. Yeah, I look, Bernard Salt has been talking about the ABS data and we're seeing a massive increase in what we call micro-businesses. 
So a small business is probably three, five employees, but a micro business tends to be self-employed or a couple of people together. And um, I'm particularly concerned about the micro businesses that have come out of, let's say, the collaborative consumption or the experience economy in the sense of, you know, let's just use Uber as an example because everybody knows it. But to be an Uber driver, all the risk is with the driver. You've got to get the car, you've got to have an insurance, got to go through all of the checks and everything. So there's a cost of entry. And I'm just wondering if people are actually doing enough of the sums to say, and then what will my return be? Um, there was a whole big thing that happened with Airbnb when um, COVID hit that they just cancelled all of the bookings, just 100% of them. And there's big conversation yet all of the investment had been made by the people who were renting out either a room or, or accommodation. So I think, you know, as we get better at this whole notion of experience of work and as our economy changes, there will be more protection for what we call micro-businesses. Or, and I know that the Ombudsman is doing as much as she can to make sure that people get paid, for instance, um, because as a very small operator, it can be really, really challenging to chase um, invoices and debts, which... So I guess not everybody is made for this life. I do believe in trusting your gut. And even at that very micro level, if you're feeling anxious about taking a co-working space because of that, that means that's the amount of money you have to fight every month. All of a sudden, it's very different. I kept my overheads as low as I possibly could, secondhand computers, working from home. In fact, oh, I'm not a secondhand computer working from home. Nothing's changed. Um, And, you know, I'm probably pretty stingy, but that was all. In fact, Gemma, who's been with me now for 17 years, she's the chief operating officer of the Big Red Group. Uh, You know, she said, Naomi, could you go and buy some new clothes? Seriously, you need to start looking like a CEO. I'll go, Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence Podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including Matchfit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM Edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.